from the Brainswell Media Studios, this is the Sales Training World broadcast with your sales coach, Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a certified business coach, and a 25-year sales and marketing veteran. He has trained over 4,000 sales professionals in seven countries, and he still sells today. No fluff, no bull. Tactical and practical sales and business advice to help your business go places you never thought possible. Welcome to Sales Training World. Now, your sales coach, your business coach, your host, Ryan Dorn. Hey everybody, Ryan Dorn, and welcome to the Sales Training World podcast. We're live from Cincinnati, Ohio this episode. I'm here for a huge trade show and conference and so thrilled uh, to meet so many great people. We are knee-deep in the sales business. It's January 2018. Holy cow. January 2018, already upon us. How was 2017 for you? Good, bad? For me, it was good. Yeah, good year, but I'm really thinking 2018 is going to be even better. So, thrilled to be talking about closing techniques today. We've got questions from Rex and Diane and Martin uh, Orlando in the house, Fresno, Rochester, New York. So if you have a question, be sure to send that over to me, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-M, ryan at ryandorn.com, D-O-H-R-M. One of the questions Diane's going to pose is about um, objection handling as it relates to no budget. And um, there was a podcast that we did in December crazy kind of popular people loved it got all kinds of shares loves and likes and um so right after this podcast for january's edition here um you'll be able to hear december 2017's edition and that was all about uh, that was all about turning no budget into a closed deal so be sure to stick around and uh, and check that out well you know i love to come in and work with sales teams i always like to make something really really clear as we talk about uh, our techniques uh, on this program. You notice a lot of times I don't feature a lot of people, and here's the reason why. I sell on the street every day. I'm here working with salespeople. I sell every day. I sell event products, I sell software, all kinds of different things. I'm not trying to dog on those trainers out there that haven't sold anything in the last 10 years other than themselves. What I'm trying to do is help everybody understand. As we talk today about closing techniques, these are the things that I do every day, just like all of you. We're a part of this sales training world together, this sales world together. So as we walk through these things, you can be really confident there's nothing I'm going to talk about that I don't actually do myself. So let's talk through closing techniques of sales superstars. Let's give you some tips and give you some advice. And of course, get on Facebook and give me some feedback uh, or LinkedIn on these things as well. All right, number one, make note of this. You control the follow-up. Okay, it's really, really important. Tip number one in closing, you need to control the follow-up. The date, the call, the plan, whatever the circumstances, you need to control that follow-up. So let me give you some tips on that. When I'm actually at the sales meeting and I've wrapped up, whatever my closing technique is, I'm going to give you five or six examples. I'm going to set the date for the follow-up. If the client says, I'll call you, that, that's not acceptable. Here's what I do. It's kind of funny. I'll say, hey, awesome. I really respect that and I appreciate that very, very much. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get busy. I'm going to get busy. We've got a lot of things going on, and it's going to be hard to catch up with each other. And I don't want to be one of those salespeople 
that's going to call you 5,000 times, that's going to email you 5,000 times. I don't want to have that kind of relationship with you. So if we could just set a date for the follow-up, five-minute conversation on the phone, I promise. Listen carefully to this. If your answer is yes, awesome. If your answer is no, I'm going to respect your no. I'm going to respect your no. And when you say that, you're setting the table to help them understand something. And that is, hey, Ryan, if I say no to you, you're not going to badger me further? I'm not. Because it's not about, when someone says no, people say, well, you know, Ryan, no is the first yes. Oh, that's crap. That's really crap. In today's environment, if someone says no to you after you've made a polished, quality presentation, you've shown your value, your features, you've really dug in on what their goals are, and you're meeting their needs, and they still say, no, you've done something wrong. They haven't done it wrong, so why beat them up about it? If your answer is yes, awesome. If your answer is no, I'm going to respect your no. And the reason that's so important is because very often customers won't call you back because they're afraid to say no, because so many books and videos and tapes have been written and recorded as it relates to the no is always the is the first yes. So when you get a no, well, when I get a no and I've created and done a great job in the sales process, what that means to me is, all right, no problem. We'll do business later. We'll do business again. Now, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I've prospected correctly. I've hosted the meeting correctly. Maybe the timing's not right. Maybe the money's not right or whatever, but I'm going to control the follow-up. I'm going to set it on my calendar. I'm going to use a calendar invite to make sure that that follow-up call is actually on the calendar. I'm going to plan for not connecting. Okay, so if we don't connect, I'm going to plan for that. Listen carefully to this. It's a cool idea. I do it all the time, and I think you'll love it. Say the guy's name is John. I'd say, John, thanks for setting that meeting with me at 5 p.m. on Thursday. Awesome. Now, remember, I try to set a follow-up within 48 hours, if I can. 72 to 48 hours. Now, it's important, though, when I'm thinking about this, I'll say, John, if for some reason we are not able to connect, or more precisely, you, uh, you, know, you don't take my call, <laughs> I don't say that, if for some reason we don't connect, but you guys all know that's true, <laughs> If for some reason we don't connect, is it okay if I text you, if I email you? What's the fastest way for me to get in touch with you if for some reason we can't connect? Now, I'm a big fan of, of I don't text people unless I have permission to text them. That's just me. Now, I've had other guests on the show that disagree with me, and they're cool cats, and they're very successful. That's just my game, okay? So if we miss each other, then what? I get permission to text. Now, That's the very first, most important point I can share with you. As a sales coach, you need to control the follow-up. Now, you might have, hey, Ryan, what do you do if you're going to close? What is it that you do to, to close somebody? Well, there's a couple of things that I do that I think that you'll like, and they're sort of classics, but I think you're going to like them. One of the closing techniques that I use most often and that I like, and I learned this a long time ago, and I've refreshed it and enhanced it. It's called the match game close. Okay, it's called the match game close. This is where 
you're going to match up the client's needs. So you've gone through the meeting and you've talked about their goals, their objectives, their pain points, whatever you want to call it. This is where you match up the client's needs and how you're going to satisfy those needs. For example, you said that you needed new customers. If I'm selling one of my media products, I have 13,500 potential new customers that I can get you in front of. Um, say you're selling this a particular type of software. You said that you need to streamline your accounting. Our software brings all of this in-house in one nice package. You said to me that you needed to reduce staff. Our software will take 10 people's jobs down to one. I think we're a perfect match. So what you're doing is you're, you're stating their need and then how your product, your service, or your offering is going to match or meet that need. That's called the match game close. I think we're a perfect match is how I would wrap it up. Don't you agree? And maybe he's like, yeah, you know, sure. Okay, then let's get rolling together, okay? And then you want to set the follow-up from there. That's called the match game close. Now, I forgot to mention this, and it's important. When you get to this point in the sales call, a lot of times, you know, it's a little awkward. It's like, oh, I got to ask you for money. Oh, I got to kind of ask you for the order. Don't be embarrassed. I mean, this is the thing that's so important, so important in the sales process. You've got to practice it. You've got to get great at it. You've got to own it. You've got to have some charisma, some enthusiasm. Remember, this is also an uncomfortable point for a lot of your prospects as well. So understand they've been through this before. A lot of people call it the dance. Okay, they've been through the dance before. It's all right. Get to it. Figure out what kind of clothes that you like. I like the match game clothes personally because it proves that I've been taking notes and I'm paying attention. So you needed this. I My product or service does this. You needed this. I can give you this. I think we're a perfect match. Don't you agree? Let's get rolling together. What do you think? And be confident about it. One of the other closes that I like to use a lot is, the, is what I refer to as the value close. And the value close is when you're asking a client after you've made your presentation, do you find value in what I've presented? Can you see why this could be valuable to you? And if the answer is yes, then I'm very quick not to pounce, but to be confident and say, great, are you ready to start working together? Are you ready to start working together? Now, very rarely do I say, are you ready to buy? Are you ready to sign on the dotted line? Okay, I don't do that kind of thing. The value closes, so do you find value in what I've presented to you today? Usually the answer is, yeah, sure, great. Are you ready to start working together? And I think it's a solid, a solid close, okay? A solid close. Now, one that I don't use, but recently I was working with a sales coaching client of mine. Her name is Sarah um, from the UK. She's great, really great, vibrant salesperson. One of the closes that resonated with her was a close that's referred to as the I almost forgot close. The I almost forgot close. And what that is, is as you're going through sort of a summary and you're talking about things and you get excited and you, you begin to wrap up, your, wrap up your sales presentation, then it's sort of like the, the defenses of the prospect begin to come down. And then what you do then is you say, oh, I almost forgot to ask you this. When are you making a final decision on this? Now, this isn't a closing technique that I like personally. 
And the reason is because I'm never going to forget <laughs> to ask for the order. But if you're one of those people that's, you know, kind of, um, you kind of jump back and forth and, you know, you're very kind of sing-songy in your approach and, you know, it's, oh, I almost forgot. When are you going to make a final decision on this? It's okay. It's a good close if it fits your personality. That's called the I almost forgot, the I almost forgot close. And for me, you know, it can work. You have to match the closing technique to your personality. What's your personality? What do you like? What do you not like? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? You've got to match it to your personality. All right, another closing technique that I, that I like and I think could work for a lot of you, and that's called the now or never close, okay? The now or never close, or some people call it the fear of missing out close. It really depends on how you want to phrase it and what you're selling. The now or never close, this is where salespeople make an offer. It usually includes a special benefit of some kind that prompts an immediate purchase. Let me give you a couple of examples. Um, this is the last spot we have open at our trade show. Uh, we've got a 20% discount for customers that sign today. If you commit to buy now, I can give you premium customer service, extra special this, VIP treatment. So it's the now or never close, meaning if you take advantage now, if you sign now, you get something extra. Now, some people, they call it the fear of missing out close. And that's cool too, because you don't, people don't like to miss out on things. Now, the only thing about this close that for me is a little bit off is that it kind of puts me into the situation of maybe offering discounts and things like that. I'm not a big discounter, but I do like to potentially be able to make somebody feel like they might be missing out. So this could potentially work. Now, there's a caveat to this. A lot of times I have heard and I've talked at the trade show here today with some folks that they'll bring up a competitor and they'll say, well, you know, I've been talking to so-and-so and they're interested. So if you don't sign up, you know, I think they're going to. Okay. I don't like that one. I, it works. It works. I don't like it because I find it to be just a smidge unethical. Now, some of you, when I say unethical, some of you are laughing a little bit right now. It's really important to understand I try to be as ethical as I possibly can during the sales process. When I'm prospecting people, I don't use subject lines like free lunch or about those pictures or I've got your mistress's phone number. Ha ha ha. You know, I don't I don't try to use those kind of funky techniques. I try to be solid. I try to make sure I'm ethical. I try to make sure that I drive everything forward using solid professionalism with a little bit of sales trickery woven into it. But I find that that's a little bit unethical as a close. So that's the now or never close or the fear of missing out. So I think it's, you know, kind of important for you to understand kind of, you know, how it works. Now, a very common closing technique, okay, a very common closing technique that's used often I just don't think it's powerful, but it is used often, and that's called the summary close, the summary close. Salespeople that use this closing technique usually reiterate the items the customer is hopefully going to purchase, stressing the value, stressing the benefits, really in an effort to get the prospect to sign. 
So you say things like, well, in conclusion, this product is going to do this for you, it's going to do this for you, it's going to do this for you, and it's going to do this for you. So we'd really like to partner with you and get rolling together. What do you think? It's more of a summary. It's kind of a wrap-up. It's kind of a wrap-up. Now, it's not that I don't like this one. I do, and I like the summary close, but, but if I had to pick, if you're going to go that route, quite honestly, I'd go with the match game close. Because I feel like it really proves that it's a good way to end. It proves that you were listening and you were really, really paying attention. You needed this. I can do this. You want that. I can give you this. I feel like the match game close is just a little bit stronger. But the summary close, you know, that's, that's fine as well. Now, what I'm going to get from a lot of you is, okay, Ryan, okay, I, I like those closing techniques. I kind of do that already. But I'll close the meeting, we'll set a follow-up, don't forget, control the follow-up, and then unfortunately, the prospect, the client, whatever, just, they go dark. They just go dark on me. Well, here's the reason why, and it's so important that you follow me on this. Have you ever seen the TV show called The First 48? Have you seen that one on cable? I think maybe it's on A&E or something like that. It's called The First 48. And it's a law enforcement show, a crime uh, investigation type of show. And here's what um, I like about the show and how it applies to sales. The first 48 is based upon a rule, if you will, or a suggestion by law enforcement that if they don't find a suspect within the first 48 hours, a quality, solid suspect, the chances of them solving that crime drop dramatically. So if, unfortunately, a child is abducted, if they don't find that person within 48 hours, that suspect the chances of them finding that child drops dramatically beyond 48 hours. The same with almost any type of crime, a murder, or whatever the circumstance is. And I thought to myself, what is it about that 48-hour window? What is it about that, that, that amount of time? And I really started tracking, if I engaged, if I re-engaged clients within 48 hours, did my sales actually go up? And the answer was yes. Now you might say, okay, Ryan, what does crime fighting, <laughs> fighting crime have to do with sales? Well, let's be honest here. We're a little bit weird. We're, we're kind of like serial killers. <laughs> we really are. I mean, we, we, know, we, we research our, our prospects and we make notes about them and we track them and, and we call them and we stalk them. And I'm making fun, um, you know, not to make light of, of crime I'm making fun to prove a point, and that is hopefully you remember, try to re-engage within 48 hours. Now, just to be clear, I take law enforcement very, very seriously, but I have to make fun of my life in sales. I have to because every day is not a good day in sales land. It's just not. So what I've learned over the course of doing this for almost 30 years is that if I can re-engage with them via email, voicemail, whatever, within 48 hours, my chances of moving that conversation forward to a closed deal grows exponentially. Sometimes I won't reach out and say, hey, Bob, check it in on that proposal. Instead, I'll say, hey, Bob, came across an article. I thought of you and thought I would share it. Sometimes I will share a funny, appropriate joke. Sometimes if I come across an article, I'll share that. I'm just trying to re-engage. That's really what I'm trying to do at least every 48 hours. I'm trying to re-engage. 
As you think about those closing techniques, think about what might be best for you. Don't forget, you control the follow-up. You've got the match game close. You've got the value close. You've got the I almost forgot close. You've got the now or never close or the fear of missing out close. And you've got the summary close. You know, check out my blog as it relates to this. Print it out. Figure out who you are. Figure out what closing technique works best for you. And then, and then you can begin to deal with objections and things like that. But you're only going to grow if you really figure out who you are and which close is really, truly going to be best for you. All right, let's get to our uh, listener questions. Um, We've got questions from Rex, Diane, and Martin. Uh, Before we do, don't forget right after this podcast, the January 2018 podcast, it's going to automatically play into the December 2017 podcast. It was the most popular podcast I've ever done. It's all about no budget. I have no budget. How to turn no budget into a closed deal. All right, my favorite part. I love this part of the show. Questions from you, the listeners. uh, Sent to Ryan at RyanDorn.com. D-O-H-R-N. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. All right. Rex from sunny Orlando, Florida. How's it going, Rex? All right, question. Uh, Ryan, my manager is a real tool. (laughs) How do you really feel, Rex? Ryan, my manager is a real tool. He is so focused on call volume that he's missing out on the research that is needed to really connect with a client. What's your thoughts on call volume versus call quality? You know, Rex, this isn't the first time that this kind of question has come up, and I've got several different views on this. First, I think it's a mixture of both. What I find is that a lot of salespeople actually don't understand how call volume will benefit you. Make note of this, Rex. I think it's important. And you also noticed in here, you've, been sell- you've noted in here you've been selling for a while uh, as well. Call volume is important, but so is call quality. What I teach is I work a top 20 list. So what I'm doing is I'm working approximately four to eight to 10 new clients every day on my top 20 list. I'm using a pattern every 48 hours of email and voicemail to get through because I understand that sales is a game of math. Now, if you don't think, Rex, that sales is a game of math, I'm just here to tell you you should know better than that. You've been selling a long time. Sales is a beautiful game of math. The more prospects you work, the more doors you knock on, the more calls you make, the greater your chances you're going to close a deal. So my thoughts on call call volume are this. I think you do need a high call volume. However, when I'm reaching out to people, the quality of the email and voicemail is paramount. I've talked about it on this podcast for a couple of years, and that is, it's so important that you're highly relevant. You don't want to reach out in generic ways. I don't want to call you up and say, "Um, hey, Rex, uh, you know, I've got a great idea for you. Give me a call back. It's too generic. Instead, I want to reach out to you and say, hey, I've got a great idea to reduce staff, um, staff inside of your, uh, you know, customer service department with a new piece of software, or I'm going to try to identify in my mind knowing your industry, knowing the industry that you're in, what are some pain points that this piece of software or this product or this service might might solve? When you identify pain points, even in the prospecting process, your chances of getting through are so much higher. Here's my suggestion uh, for for your boss, who you said is is not so great. And that is meeting with him and saying, uh, sir or madam, hey, what I really want to do is I I believe in call volume. First of all, validate their call volume piece. I believe in call volume, 
But what I want to do is I want to spend a little more time researching so I can have a better connection to these folks. Rather than just reading off a script, I'd like to have a little bit of a better connection to these folks. I think it's going to increase my chances of breaking through. So you want me to make 40 calls a day. And I'm cool. Could I perhaps, just for one or two weeks, try making 30 so that I can actually do a little more research on these folks? And then get out there, Rex, knock them dead. You know, add, add a little research to it. Be specific. And I think you're going to have some good, uh, good quality success. All right, uh, Diane from Fresno. What's going on in Fresno? Great part of California. Diane from Fresno asked, Ryan, my biggest objection lately is no budget. Any thoughts on this common objection? Diane, I am so glad that you asked, okay? There's a podcast immediately following this uh, episode all about turning no budget into a closed deal. Now, I'm going to give you all kinds of techniques on that podcast on how to flip this, but one of my favorites, especially if I'm talking with someone, is I, I, you should know your industry. I don't know your industry, Diane. Every industry has pain points common problems that everyone in that industry is facing, even if you are the leader, the leader in that business. And what I very often will do is I, when someone says no budget, I'll focus in on pain points. I'll say, well, isn't such and such a problem for you? Um, yeah. Now remember the pain point, you, whatever you're selling needs to be able to solve that pain point. So very often that's the fastest way if I have someone on the phone to be able to move over that objection is quickly identify a pain point that's common. Now, I'd have to admit, sometimes they say, no, it's not a problem for me. And so usually I'll have a couple other pain points kind of in, in the background, but I'm not afraid of that. Now, the real problem, Diane, and you didn't say it, but I'm going to guess this is it. The real problem is you get no budget via email. That's, that's very common. So for me... I have a pretty standard templated response, and that is, you know, I let, try to list out three things. Here's three reasons why I think you and I should meet. Three reasons why. I promise just 15 minutes or 10 minutes, whatever you feel is appropriate, I promise just 15 minutes to discuss it. Here's three reasons why I truly think we should talk, and I'm concerned for you, and there's, here's the three things. That, that's my best advice. And listen to the podcast, Diane. I mean, no budget, man, it's common. You know, it's really, really common. So Diane, get, uh, get out there, get something done, listen to that podcast. I think you're going to find uh, some good advice. How to do, everybody? Pushing, pushing Diane over to the, next, to the next podcast. Pretty good promotion, right? <laughs> that's what we do here. We sell. All right, Rochester, New York. I just was in Rochester, uh, just a Genesee Valley, just a couple of weeks ago. Martin from Rochester, writes, I hate my CRM. And just so everybody understands, in all capital letters, I hate it. <laughs> I'm being forced to use this piece of junk. What do I do? Ah, Martin, um, besides quitting the job, which I don't recommend uh, because it's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of sales jobs out there, but hey, I don't always want to have to be looking for a, for a job. Here's the simple, simple thing I can do to help you that might shorten the process. If you use a Mac if you use your iPhone, if you use your cell phone, almost every CRM allows you to put your cursor inside the box where the notes are at, either on an app on your phone, or maybe this thing is such a piece of junk you can't even use your computer. But what I do is I dictate notes into my CRM. 
I do it on my phone all the time. I've got my iPhone here in front of me. I can only imagine you can do this on the Galaxy or Google phone. I'm sure you can. I put my cursor inside the notes box, and then I dictate notes into the CRM because I just really don't have time to sit there and type out every single note. Here's the other thing for you, though, Martin, that's important. I don't know how old you are, but experts will tell us or experts have told us that you will forget 25 to 35 percent of things that are very, very important. Almost every CRM has reminders built into it. Almost every CRM has note functionality built into it. If experts tell us that we forget 25 to 35 percent of things that are very important, that's, that's crazy land. That means that even us that are smart people are forgetting those things. Now, notice it didn't say recall things. <laughs> it says we forget things. It wasn't that long ago, not even just within the last two months, that my CRM, which, which I enjoy, my CRM popped up a reminder to me. And because of that, I had forgotten about this client. Because of that reminder, it reminded me to call him back. And it ended up being a $25,000 deal. So um, the moral of the story there is if it wouldn't have been for my CRM, I wouldn't have remembered. Now, what you might consider, Martin, is doing some CRM research, presenting some new ideas to your boss, to your leadership of, of reasons why. Here's 10 reasons why we should switch from this piece of junk over to a, a, better, uh, a better CRM. Now, there's a lot of them that are out there. I mean, there's a lot of great CRMs that are out there. Check them out. Um, whether you're uh, using from Salesforce to Close.io to Pipedrive, I mean, there's literally hundreds of CRMs out there that'll do a pretty darn good job. Do some research. Maybe your leadership, maybe your company will be opening to, to switching those things over. Just remember, those CRMs are going to save your bacon a lot of times. I don't know what I'd do without my CRM. All right, keep your questions coming. Send them in. We'll try to feature three. Uh, during each of our podcasts, send your questions into Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Ryan at RyanDorn.com. All right, friends, don't forget after this podcast, uh, the next one is uh, all about how to turn no budget into a closed deal. I'd love to come in and train your team. Reach out to me, Ryan at RyanDorn.com, or, or if you're putting together a big sales conference, I'd love to come in and uh, do a workshop for you for the day. Um, I get booked pretty far in advance, but I'd love to uh, love to have the opportunity to come in and train your team or speak to your group. And uh, we have all kinds of topics, everything from closing techniques to negotiating skills, you name it, we're there to help you out. Don't forget, guys, if sales was easy, everybody would be doing it, and they're not. So we're either crazy or we found a career that will feed our families for a lifetime. This podcast is on salestrainingworld.com. We've got a sales training blog on salestrainingworld.com. If you're interested in coaching, reach out to us. I've got John ready and available to do that. I've also got a new guy that's on board that does improv. So if you're interested in improv uh, as a comedy uh, sort of sales training technique, uh, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with Clay and we'll talk about that as well. That's a great way, by the way, if you've got a sales meeting coming up, do some improv comedy. And uh, Clay worked with um, the folks uh, in Chicago at Second City. And so he's a really funny guy and he's in the sales business too. So, all right, friends, that's the Sales Training World podcast for the month of January 2018. Stick around, stay close. December 2017's podcast on turning no budget into a closed deal is up next. All right, friends, God bless. We'll see you out on the street. 